Welcome to the How to Start a Career course from Plato University, where you're going to learn the secret job search strategies of top candidates to find meaningful work, build your network, and have long-lasting career success. If you want to learn how to land your dream job in any type of market, join us at plato.university for exclusive content and actionable exercises with every lesson. I'm your learning guide, Brandon Stover, and let's get started. Welcome back. Yesterday, we explored your core values and went through the process of creating a list, ranking them, and giving actions towards ways that we could live those core values. And these are important because we want to find job opportunities with companies that match the values that we have. Now that you have a better sense of your personal core values, let's dig into career drivers and differentiate between needs and nice-to-haves. This will help create a decision framework in which to compare opportunities once you start the application process. Today, we're going to break career drivers down into six buckets. Those are going to be money, lifestyle, culture, environment, growth opportunities, and the actual task or work itself. Now, why is it important to uncover these? Well, we've already discussed that the best work, and the best career for you is going to be one that uses your favorite skills and your favorite subjects in service of other people. But it's also going to be a job that offers you your preferred people environments, your preferred working conditions, your preferred salary and other rewards, working toward preferred goals and values that you have. So without understanding what those things are for you, it's going to be hard to identify opportunities that allow you to have these things that you want in your life. We also need to identify these career drivers so that we can prioritize them. Yes, in a perfect world, every job opportunity would allow us to get everything that we wanted. However, oftentimes we're going to have to prioritize our wants. Some jobs are going to offer more money, but it's not going to be very in line with our lifestyle. Some may offer a great working environment, but it doesn't have much growth opportunities. When you're approaching the job search process, you're going to have trade-offs. So we need to identify which career drivers are most important to you. So I'm going to go through each one of the career drivers, explain what it is, and then give a couple exercises for you to break down that career driver to understand how important it is to you. Let's first talk about the work or the task itself. When you're looking at evaluating a job opportunity, look at the actual work or tasks that you're going to be doing. Evaluate to see if they're engaging. It's work that draws you in, holds your attention, and gives you a sense of flow. And what makes this possible is that you have the freedom to decide how to perform your work. You have clear tasks with a clearly defined start and end, a variety in the types of tasks, and feedback so that you know you're doing well. Reflect on how important it is for you to have engaging work like this. Next, think about those actual tasks and whether you're, you would be good at them. Being good at your work gives you a sense of achievement, something that's crucial for life satisfaction. It also gives you the power to negotiate for other components of a fulfilling job, such as the ability to work on meaningful projects, undertake engaging tasks, and earn fair pay. For both of these reasons, skill ultimately trumps interest. Even if you love art, if you pursue it as a career but aren't good at it, you'll end up doing boring graphic design for companies you don't care about. That's not to say you should only do work you're already good at. However, you at least have the potential to get good at it. So when evaluating the work, we want to take all the things that we've already done about seeing what skills we have and making sure that we're a good fit here. The last thing when evaluating the work itself is identifying how important it is to you that the job helps other people. We've already discussed in the last lessons how this is very meaningful. 
And there's a growing body of evidence that helping others is a key ingredient for life satisfaction. Helping others isn't the only route to a meaningful career, but it's widely accepted by researchers that it's one of the most powerful. So in the career driver of the work itself, evaluate how important for you it is for that work to be engaging, for you to be good at it or have the ability to get better, and how much it helps other people. The next career driver we're going to look at is money. We need to gain a realistic picture of how much money you will need to earn or want to earn in whatever job you find. Money is important or else we're reduced to bartering for our food, clothing, and shelter. And when we're out of work, we're inevitably thinking, what am I going to do so that I have enough money to put food on the table, clothes on my back, and a roof over my head? However, happiness is also important too. And so we may find ourselves thinking, how much do I really need to be earning for me to be truly happy with my life? You may have heard of a famous study published in 2010 that found that the less money people made, the more unhappy they tended to be day after day. And the more money that those people made, measured by percentages of improvement, the happier they tended to be. But the study found that that was only up to a point, which was around 75000 in annual income, with a satiation point at around 95000 If people made more money annually than 75000 it improved their satisfaction with the, how their life was going, but it did not increase their happiness because they started to report a reduced ability to spend time with people they liked, to enjoy leisure, and to savor small pleasures. Happiness depends on being able to satisfy the things we need in life, which often requires money, but it also includes other factors like good health, a loving relationship, loving friends, a feeling of competence, and going after our life's purpose. Regardless, money and a salary are something that we're going to have to think about when evaluating our jobs. So let's look at a few questions that we can ask ourselves about this. Before we start evaluating jobs and how much money we could make from them, we need to figure out how much we actually need. And one of the best ways to start determining your necessary income is to keep track of how you actually spend your money. Once you figure out what you actually spend, you'll be much better able to lay out a realistic budget of what you want to spend in the future and you can determine the salary that you're going to need for that budget. Now, there are plenty of apps that you can use in order to track and create a budget. I highly recommend You Need a Budget or YNAB because there's an entire community and lessons that teach you how to budget better. But in the most basic sense, you need to write down all of your expenses, all the money that's leaving every single month to identify how much money you need to cover for your living. Once we have that number, we can multiply it by 12 and probably add in a few extra thousand to put into savings for emergencies and know that that is our bare minimum we need to make for our salary. It's the amount we need to just barely get by. And incidentally, you need to know this before you go in for a job interview with anyone because you can't survive on a negative income stream. Next, I want you to think about at what level you would like to work at in your ideal job. Every type of organization has different levels of responsibility that need to be taken, and those usually come with different titles and different salary ranges that are attached to those titles. These levels might be the CEO, and then the manager, the heads of teams, a member of a team, or somebody that might be an outside consultant. What level of responsibility would you like to have in an organization? When you identify this, you can start looking for salary ranges that are associated with that level of responsibility. And this range is going to be helpful because most employers are thinking in terms of a range too. When you negotiate your salary, you want to get the best outcome for your needs. We've already discovered what our minimum part of the range is based on our budget, but by knowing the different titles and the associated salary ranges with them, 
we can start to develop a maximum for ourselves. So write down the maximum that you would like for your salary range. And think realistically here based on the ranges that you've seen of the various titles and your own competency and experience. Lastly, when looking at the money category, we want to look at what other benefits may come as part of our package. These might be things like healthcare, bonuses, disability insurance, free meals, retirement, sick or paternal leave, vacation time, childcare, stock options, and tuition reimbursement. Are any of these benefits imperative for you? And which ones are unnecessary? Knowing what you need in terms of benefits can help you greatly in your salary negotiations. Next, let's look at the career driver of lifestyle. To have a satisfying job, we need all the positive benefits that we've already been speaking about. But we also need an absence of the things that make work unpleasant. Do you work to live or do you live to work? There's no right answer to this and it may change based on circumstances. And you don't have to have all the ingredients of a fulfilling life from your job. It's possible to find a job that pays the bills and excel in a side project, or to find a sense of meaning through philanthropy or volunteering, or to build great relationships outside of work. But we need to identify how work is going to fit in with the rest of our life and the type of lifestyle that we want. So here's a list of questions for you to think about for your lifestyle and seeing how it fits in with your work. What does work-life balance mean to you? How far would you commute for your perfect job? Would you sacrifice money for more vacation or time off? Would you sacrifice time and lifestyle for more money? What is the minimum amount of vacation PTO that you need in a year? Now, as you start answering these questions and assessing the lifestyle for you, you also want to take important attention to job opportunities that have a lack of major negatives. To be satisfied, everything that we've talked about so far is important. But you also need the absence of things that make work unpleasant. These might be things like a long commute, especially if it's over an hour by bus, very long hours, pay you feel is unfair, and job insecurity. All of these sound obvious, but people often overlook them. For example, the negative consequences of a long commute can be enough to outweigh many other positive factors that the job offers. So figure out the type of life that you want to live and how work is going to fit in with it. Next, let's look at the bucket of culture and the people that are working in those jobs. You've already done much of the heavy lifting with your personal core values of looking for the types of cultures that you want. Look back over your values and think through the following questions. What types of company missions excite you? What are deal breakers for you inside a company's culture? Are there organizations that you admire from a cultural standpoint? What types of people do you want to work with? What types of people do you not want to work with in the future? And here it may be helpful to think of examples of specific people from the past and try to identify their patterns. Let's drill into this people aspect a little further because the people that you're working with can either make the job delightful or ruin your day, your week, or even your year. They either drag us down or keep us from being our most effective or they lift us up and help us to be at our best and perform at our greatest effectiveness. So to help you identify these people, I want you to get out a piece of paper and create four columns. In the first column, I want you to list out places that you've worked in your life. So go back to all your previous job experiences. In the second column, write down the kinds of people that you liked working with the most in order of preference. So think back on your favorite people in the workplace. Who supported you? Who always pitched in and helped? Write down the characteristics of your favorite people at work. Then in the third column, Write down the kinds of people that drove you nuts that you would never like to work with again. 
There's no need to write down their names, but describe what made them difficult. Maybe they were bossy micromanagers, they talked too much about their personal problems, or never picked up the slack in the work that they were doing. Now look through those different people, and in column four, write down the people that you would never ever want to work with again. Take your top three or top five most difficult people and write them down in this fourth column. Then, whatever characteristic or trait that they had, think of the exact opposite of that, and see if that trait is somebody that you would want to work with. These exercises are going to help you identify the culture that you want to work in. Next, let's move to the working environment. This is something people often overlook when they think about their next move, but it's vitally important to your productivity and happiness in a specific role. Think about the answers to these questions. What type of environment do you prefer on a zero to one scale of rigid to flexible, where zero is a clock in, clock out call center, and 10 might be somebody who's an engineer who works fully remote with no meetings and just ships code all the time. What percentage of time are you willing to spend traveling for work? What type of structure do you thrive in? In a corporate structure that's very regimented and structured? Maybe a medium-sized family business? Or maybe a startup that's incredibly loose and often chaotic, where things are ill-defined, but you have a lot of flexibility and room for movement. You also need to evaluate if this environment is going to be working remotely or if it's working inside of an office. Because if you're working in an actual location, then you need to assess the geography that you would like. You need to define what part of the country or the world you would most like to work and live and would be happiest if you ever had the choice. Some jobs may require you to move, so you need to be able to assess what you like in those cities and what you don't and how that's going to fit in with the rest of your life. Additionally, no matter if you're working remotely or you're working in an office, thinking about the working conditions of that environment. What are the physical working conditions and surroundings that would make you happiest and enable you to do the most effective work? Because a physical setting where you work can cheer you up or drag you down. And the easiest way to think about the best working conditions for you is to look at places that you've worked at in the past. So get out another sheet of paper and create four columns. In the first column, write down all the places that you've worked. In the second column, write down the things about that environment that made you most effective. What you feel like you like or needed about that environment. In the third column, write down distasteful working conditions. Based on your past experiences, what things in those environment made you worse at work or made you feel worse? And then in the fourth column, look at some of those distasteful working conditions that you wrote down in column three and rank order the top three most distasteful working conditions. Then consider the exact opposite of those conditions and see if they fit into something that you would enjoy. This is important even if you're working remotely because some jobs actually offer stipends for you to improve your environment and working conditions. So it's important for you to decide what's the most optimal working environment. The last bucket we're gonna look at is growth opportunities. As you think through your career drivers, it's important to be realistic about where you are currently while looking at where you wanna be in the future. Everyone's gonna value growth opportunities differently, but at certain times in your career, the ability to grow, learn new skills, get experience and level up may outrank other considerations. For example, when you're a recent grad or those just joining the workforce, you're making a career pivot or economic climates are in hard times and you need to level up in order to secure a job in the future. So let's first start assessing some of these questions. What stage are you in your career? Is this your first job? Are you early in your career, two to five years? Mid in your career, five to 10? Experience, 10 years plus? 
or just rejoining the workforce after being out of a job for a long time? Are you in a career pivot, switching the industry that you're working in, switching the role that you're working in, or switching the role and industry that you're working in? And then, is there a certain goal or title you want to reach in this role at some point or within the next five years? These are going to help you identify how much growth that you need to do and how important it's going to be. To continue this, rank each one of the following questions from 0 to 10 and how important they are to you. How important is having a mentor in your next role? How important is being able to mentor others in your next role? How important is upward mobility in this role within the next four years? How important is it to have opportunities for continued learning and development? No matter where you are in your career, it's important to think about your career capital, which is the extent to which the role gives you opportunities to put yourself in a better position to make an impact in the future. After you've gone through each one of these buckets of the tasks and works itself, of money, lifestyle, culture, environment, and growth opportunities, I want you to rank each one of those categories in order of importance, with one being the most important and moving your way down the list. This is going to help you assess every opportunity that comes your way and seeing which priorities are most important to you and weighing the decisions between different opportunities that afford those priorities. So for our activity today, work through determining your different career drivers going through the categories we spoke about. I'll have worksheets on the Plato University platform for you to better assess each one of these questions. Again, if you're not already a member, it's free to join. Just follow the link inside the description. After you've determined your career drivers, Rank order them so you know which ones are top priority. And finally, for our networking activity, I want you to continue to connect four. The exercise that I taught you a few lessons ago, where you reach out to four people you haven't talked to in a long time. At this point, since we've been doing these networking activities, people should be reaching back out to you. And now that we've done so much in our self-inventory, we have a clearer picture of what we want, the jobs that we want to go after. So when that person connects back with you and asks what you're up to, You can tell them that you're searching for a job and you're specifically looking for these things, these priorities, these career drivers that we just spoke about today. So go ahead and do the Connect4 activity again and reach out to some more people. Thank you for taking the How to Start a Career course to get everything you need for your job search, including advanced resources, personal coaching, and a community of passionate learners. Then visit plato.university slash courses slash career and join us for free. Again, that's plato.university slash courses slash career. This course was produced by Plato University, where students turn passions into purpose and learn skills to change the world. Learn more at plato.university.